0: Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Spirit, come upon us. Guide our thoughts and our actions, that we may place our trust fully in God, as God gently prunes us. In Jesus' name, amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In our first talk, we set the stage for these Lenten spiritual exercises. I hope you were able to savor God's profound love for you. All the rest of the exercises build on trust. Trust that God wants the best for you and is leading you to greater life and love. We now shift gears to the first week of St. Ignatius's spiritual exercises. Four weeks comprise the retreat as a whole. Each week has a theme on which the exercises of that week are centered. For the rest of our Lenten retreat, we'll be working our way through themes across all four of these weeks. The title of this talk is A Pruned Branch. A prune branch. I think this is a good way to approach the first week of the spiritual exercises. It's from a verse in the Vine and the Branch Discourse. Jesus says, The Father takes away every branch in me that does not bear fruit, and every one that does, he prunes so that it bears more fruit. This imagery can get lost on those of us who do not live close to the land and have no experience with pruning a vineyard. But since we live in the information age, it's easy to watch some YouTube videos and find out about the pruning process. Apparently, every year, 90% of the mass of the grapevine is supposed to be cut away during the winter. That's a huge proportion of the plant that gets cut off and thrown out. Why does one have to trim back the vines so much? Well, because if you don't trim them back, they will grow into a tangled mess and fail to produce fruit. You see, branches only produce grapes for one year. The next year, New shoots off the old branches kept from the year before are what produce the grapes for that year. Because of their prolific growth, the new shoots also need to be cleaned up in the spring each year. Excess clusters and leaves are cut off, so only the highest quality clusters get the energy the plant produces. So there's this constant cycle of removing unwanted branches in the winter and pruning the fruitful branches in the spring. This process keeps the vine producing the best fruit possible. Through this whole process, the vitality and the strength of the entire plant is increased. Moving back to Jesus's analogy, God the Father, the vine grower, makes sure that the entire organism, the body of Christ is healthy. He sees to it that the branches, The disciples who draw their strength and their energy from Christ produce better and better fruit as time goes on. You are one of those branches in Christ which the Father wants to prune and to shape so that the fruit you produce is even richer, more abundant and sweeter to the taste. I think this pruning process is a great image for what Saint Ignatius desires in the first week of the exercises. Just like a branch has a wayward shoot here, or a rotten cluster of grapes there, each one of us has produced, unfortunately, some bad fruit along the way. We have done things to damage our relationship with God, our relationships with others, and our relationship with ourselves. These are the things which Christians name as sin St. Ignatius leads us to meditate on the reality of sin, both in the world at large and in ourselves. Yet, the first week is not an exercise in self-hatred. It happens in the context of God's love for us, which is why we began with that exercise. It is often said that the goal is to come out of the first week knowing and feeling ourselves as loved sinners. God loves us unconditionally. If the focus on my sin leads me to depression or to despair, if it makes me think that I'm not worthy of love, then I'm trying to prune myself, which is impossible for any branch to do. For this exercise to work, we have to let God be the vine grower. I think St. Peter is one of the best examples we Christians have of this pruning process. Peter bore incredible fruit in his earthly life and he continues to bear it now in his heavenly life. He shepherded the church in its very first years amid incredible persecution, and he was eventually killed for his faithfulness to Jesus. How was it now that he became a disciple who bore so much fruit? I would say, through a long process of pruning. Peter encounters Jesus for the first time while fishing. Jesus leads him to this enormous haul, so many fish that the nets were ripping. The Gospel of Luke continues like this. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at the knees of Jesus and said, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For astonishment at the catch of fish they had made seized him and all those with him. Yes, one of the very first things Peter says to Jesus is, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. He was overwhelmed with shame after this miraculous display. But Jesus is not there to condemn, He's there to call Peter. Peter immediately leaves everything and follows him. Is Peter completely converted by this first encounter with Jesus? Does he go on to be the perfect disciple, never stumbling again? No, of course not. Time and again, Peter fails. He grows and gets pruned, grows and gets pruned. The pruning process for Peter culminates with Jesus's passion. He goes wrong that night in so many different ways. Jesus tries to wash his feet but Peter in his pride says, you will never wash my feet. Jesus then rebukes him and insists on washing his feet but Peter in his ignorance says, master then not only my feet but my hands and head as well. Jesus again has to instruct him that washing his feet is enough. Then when everyone goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus asks Peter to keep watch and pray with him. But what does Peter do? He falls asleep. In his sluggishness, he could not even stay awake when his best friend was in such distress. When the authorities come to arrest Jesus, Peter is jolted awake by the commotion. His first instinct is to fight, and so he angrily pulls out his sword and cuts off the ear of the high priest's servant. Jesus has to rebuke him yet again. Put your sword into its scabbard. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father gave me? And finally, Peter, filled with confidence in himself, swears to Jesus. Though all may have their faith in you shaken, mine never will be. When Jesus predicts that Peter will deny him, Peter doubles down. Even though I should have to die with you, I will not deny you. Peter denies Jesus three times. In that moment, Jesus turns and he makes eye contact with Peter. That's enough to make Peter go off and weep bitterly, abandoning Jesus for good. Peter had spent three years following and learning from Jesus. And still all his faults come out in one night. Pride, ignorance, laziness, cowardice, anger. Thankfully for Peter, the story didn't end there. Coming full circle, the resurrected Jesus again meets Peter while he's fishing. He has a somewhat puzzling but beautiful exchange with Peter, asking him three times, do you love me? The third time, Peter, exasperated, says, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. I can just imagine Jesus smiling back at Peter and saying, exactly, be confident. Despite your missteps, I know you are trying and I know you are my friend. Nothing will ever change that. Can you imagine the weight that drops off of Peter's shoulders in that moment. He probably thought he was doomed to a lifetime of regret, shame, and sleepless nights. The only thing he could do to cope with those long nights was to go fishing. But Jesus takes all of that away. He comes to heal us, to reconcile, to make whole again. Peter feels himself a loved sinner, and that Is exactly the grace saint ignatius wants for every person doing the spiritual exercises for this week's exercises i invite you to pray with your personal history over this past year especially since last easter try it out in four steps first step go through month by month just to recall what you were doing who was it that you were with What most occupied your time and energy? After you've recalled this, move on to step two. That is to ask God to reveal to you where you may have slipped up. When were the moments you were not acting out of love? Was there anything that damaged your relationship with God, with others, or with yourself? Is there any pattern you notice? Step three. Express to God your sorrow for these things and your desire to grow into a fully loving person who bears much fruit. And step four, thank God for his love and mercy. Perceive the reality that you are a loved sinner, a pruned branch, and savor it. As you go through these steps, you may want to use some scripture to set the tone you can pray with Psalm 51 to express sorrow. You might also pray with Peter and Jesus in John chapter 21 to feel the love and the mercy of Jesus. If you are Catholic, this may even be a good week to go to the sacrament of confession. Remember, the most important part of this exercise is to let God the Father be the one who does the pruning. God must be the one to reveal this reality to us, because we get in trouble if we just start hacking around on our own. To make this point stick in your mind, I'll end with a little family story. I'm the oldest of five children, three boys, then two girls. When I was young, my family moved from my father's starter home into a bigger home for our growing number. Once we got into our new house, we began some simple projects to put the house in order. One project was to remove the stump of a small tree that had fallen in the front yard. My dad thought this would be a perfect job for his young boys. I was seven at the time while my brother John was five and my other brother Matthew was three. We began by digging dirt out from around the stump to expose the roots. Then we would take a small hatchet to chop through the roots until we could pry the stump out of the ground. I took my turn first getting some good hacks in and then it was my brother, John's turn. Matthew, meanwhile, had shifted to get a better look. He decided that the best vantage point would be right over John's shoulder. On his first swing, John brought the the hatchet back and bam, back end right into Matthew's forehead. The blood started gushing out and Matthew began to wail. My dad tried to stop the bleeding, but it was just too much. He had to go to the emergency room. Now, at this point, my mom was panicking. What was she going to tell the intake person? That their son had been hit in the head with an ax? My mother prayed that God would be merciful and that everything would turn out fine. The person filling out the paperwork listened carefully to what happened, grinned and understood. I can tell the story. Uh, with a sense of humor because my brother got stitched right up and recovered just fine. I hope my parents forgive me for telling the story to you all, but I think it illustrates my point well. We are just like little children wanting to prune away those unsightly parts of ourselves, but we can't just go swinging an axe around on our own. Someone could get hurt. We need our father's gentle hand to guide us. The Father takes away every branch in me that does not bear fruit, and every one that does he prunes so that it bears more fruit. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.